Well, good morning for Northeast by Midwest. This is Jonathan Jones. How are you today? It's another week, another day, another Monday. My second favorite day of the week. How about you? Well, got a little tongue-tied there. Um, so today, I'd like to talk a little bit about money. Yeah, money. You know that saying in the Bible, right? The, the root of all evil is money. Money is the root of all evil. Actually, that's not true, is it? So many people take that out of context. The love of money is the root of all evil. That's actually what the Bible says. The love of money. And so money's not a bad thing, right? It's a currency. It's something we use to buy things, to sell things. It always has been. It kind of always will be until God comes back and remakes this earth. It's sort of one of those necessary evils. You know, Jesus will talk a little bit about money at one point and gives us some sage advice, as he always does. Uh, you know, he's, he's, trying, he's being trapped in a lot of ways by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And, um, you know, they, they ask him, you know, what are you supposed to do to pay taxes? And so he ends up having a coin that comes out of a fish, and Peter has it, and he simply says this. He says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and render unto God what is God's. And there's a great principle there, isn't there? You know, the Bible will talk a lot about, about giving and that we are to give hilariously or with, with fun in mind, with joy, because God has given to us. And so money is ultimately not ours. It's not my money. It's not your money. It's not the government's money. It's, it's ultimately all the Lord's. It's all God's. But I want to talk a little bit today about, you know, how we handle our money. And, and this isn't so much necessarily a talk about finances I guess it is in a sense uh, maybe that'll come a little later but more I, w- I wanted to make this podcast just about you know some ways and some lessons that I've learned when it comes to how to handle finances um, so for instance for those of you that are married uh, a, a couple of thoughts here and then I'll get to those that aren't married but for those that are married uh, I, I've seen people do two different kinds of of takes if you will on how they handle money the one take is the one my wife and I have have done, and it's what I'm going to purport today and, and, and talk about, and that is that, that we combine our finances. You know, the Bible says the two shall become one flesh. Um, you know, God created the male and female. And, and so if we're going to become one flesh, that's not just in the physical sense. Uh, that's also in the spiritual, the emotional, the financial, everything, right? You know, the location we live is the same. The things we do, why wouldn't the money be together? And so we immediately took our separate accounts and made them one when we got married. And honestly, it's one of the best decisions we ever made. You know, statistics in America when it comes to broken marriages for years now have pretty much told us they may vary a little bit here and there, but there are three main reasons why marriages break down. One is communication, two is in-laws, and three is money. Now, it may or may not be in that exact order, but those three things, by and large, play a huge part in why marriages break down. Well, there's other reasons, of course, but money is a big deal, and how we handle it is a big deal. And so I would just encourage you, if you are a married couple, you know, usually one of you is a saver, one's a spender, and it can be very easy sometimes for the saver to say, well, look, I'm going to put all the money in my account so the spender doesn't spend it all. But then that becomes a control issue, and ultimately there's not probably the accountability that's needed there. And so we found what works for us works really well. You know, uh, between the two of us, I'm probably a little more of a spender, and my wife's a little more of a saver. And so we found out that she was just 
a little better at the money end. And so she kind of runs our money. You know, we talk about everything. I know the bills she pays and, you know, help her with that as much as I can. But she's kind of the one that runs those things. And we've really found that to work really well for us. And, and just as, as a way of, of thoughts, you know, I've had couples over the years where it hasn't been that way. And I suppose there's probably always those outliers that, that have made it work. You know, you might say, well, you know, my wife or my husband has no, um, you know, access to my account. And I know a few people that way, and it does work. But I think by and large, that's the exception, not the rule. I think for most of us, probably the best is to have open communication. Um, you know, one person's going to run the money, but it's joint, and each of them knows what's going on. Now, we've had kind of a couple other rules that we've used in our relationship that have been very helpful. Uh, one of them is very, very rarely do either of us spend over, let's say, $100 without letting the other one know. And anything much over like 250 is always a joint conversation. First of all, because there have been times where I wanted to go buy something and I talk about it with my wife and realize, you know, this probably isn't the best idea or vice versa. And secondly, that's a lot of money to spend without getting some other counsel about it. And so for those of you that are married, I think that's just some important things to think about. And it helps us think about rendering to Caesar what is Caesar's and God's what is God's. You know, and it works the same kind of as we give our, our tithe to our church. Um, you know, we usually talk about it. We kind of have a, a baseline that we always give, but we want to make it where it's, um, you know, it hurts a little bit. It, and that's the way a giving supposed to be. It's not supposed to be something that just blesses us, and we want it to be something that's sacrificial. Now, if you're not married, you know, maybe you're single, uh, maybe you're, you're, you're widowed or a widower or whatever your situation is, maybe you've never been married. Um, obviously, you're not married, so you can't have a joint account, you know. Uh, you could. I mean, you could have someone else on your account, and maybe you do. My recommendation would be that you have someone that you're at least seeking their counsel uh, when you make large decisions. Um, you know, maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a son or a daughter, uh, maybe it's a parent, uh, maybe it's a friend. You know, obviously finances are kind of one of those icky things where we don't know all of the things in someone else's finances, nor should we, right? You know, I mean, as a pastor here at the church, I don't hardly know what anybody in my church makes. And I don't want to know. That's their business, you know. Um, but I do have people from time to time. They'll come to me and ask for counsel financially. And, and I think that that shows a lot of wisdom. And so, you know, if you're not in a situation where you're married or you're, you have someone that, that you can kind of lean on for wisdom, I think that's a, that's a very good thing to do, to find someone that you can, you know, you don't have to tell them all the money you have in your savings or checking account or your 401k. But you could have them as someone to say, hey, you know, when I have hard decisions to make, when I have to figure out, you know, do, do I keep this car or buy a new one? You know, do I, do I refinance my mortgage or not? Do I, you know, whatever, do I invest here or there? It's good to have godly people or people that are wise that you can talk to about finances. And, and I think that's the other thing I've learned over the years when it comes to money. There are people that are money people. They know how to make it. They know how to keep it. And they know how to spend it in the sense of, being frugal with it. And those are the kind of people that I've tried and am trying to surround myself around. And some of them are Christians, some of them are not, but they just have an, a, a, a gift, you know, like a supernatural gift from God, the way they're wired. And they're just good at that. And for those of you that are, I would encourage you, I know you can't counsel every person in the world, but you really have a special gift set 
that you can help a lot of other people. And I, for one, am thankful for that. For people who have spoken into my life over the years and encouraged me in how to use my money, how to invest it, uh, things of that nature. I'd also encourage you, you know, if you are a Christian, uh, to use your money for God's kingdom. Ultimately, we can't take it with us. And I think so often, even as Christians, we can use our own money to build our own kingdom here. And the reality is we are part of a larger and greater kingdom. And so uh, when we think about that, we want to always be using our finances uh, for the honor and glory of God. Yes, we want to be paying our bills and being good witnesses and, and caring for people and, you know, and even helping those around us, caring for the poor and those that, you know, don't have as much as we do. Absolutely. Those are things as Christians we are called to do. But, you know, Paul will tell us that the person that doesn't care for his own for his own family is worse than someone, you know, who's not a Christian. And so we need to make sure we care for our own issues and our own challenges and then, you know, care for others whilst we are also, you know, caring for God's kingdom. So just a few thoughts I was thinking about today financially. You know, uh, the, the older I get, the more I, I kind of start to learn about <laughs> mistakes I made when I was younger things I wish I would have known. And, you know, and some of them I knew and didn't listen to the wisdom that was around me. And maybe you've been that way. And so as I get a little older now, I really appreciate those in my life that have lived longer than I have, that, that are really good at this. And, and I think that's the other thing that kind of when I make this about money, I, I think one of the things we tend to do, just being honest, and this can almost be a, a sacred cow maybe within a lot of our churches, is a lot of times we, we'd like to think that we are experts on everything. And the reality is, no one of us is an expert on any, everything. Some cases, we're not experts on anything. <laughs> but none of us is an expert on everything. And there are good people within my church, within your church, within your family, your sphere of influence, that are just gifted in different ways. I see it in my own family with my brothers, or my in-laws, or my parents, and my wife. And the reality is, no one of us is is the expert on everything. And I think money is a good example for that. I think too often, some people that are Christians have assumed, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, I have the Holy Spirit, and so I'm going to just know how to do this. Well, maybe not. You know, that might be a real weakness for you or for me. And so I need other people to speak truth in my life and give me counsel and wisdom uh, so that I might honor God uh, with what he's given me. Because ultimately... What I have is a gift from him, and, and eventually I'm going to give it all back to him. So some thoughts on money. Uh, remember, the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. Uh, you know, and, and so we need to earn it. We need to save it. We need to prepare our families. We need to prepare for the future. And we need to ultimately use money for the kingdom of God and for his work. And so I want to encourage you in that today. For Northeast by Midwest, talking about money, this is Jonathan Jones. Don't forget, use your money for the kingdom of God and have a great day.